next week, since it is interim break, we will not have loft, but in two weeks, we will be meeting at five o'clock in the CFAC for a special service of song and prayer. So two weeks, five o'clock, CFAC. Hopefully you can all make it. Please pray with me now. Faithful God, thank you for bringing us here tonight for bringing us together as a community to worship you, to pray together, to hear your word, to sing. We thank you for this time, for interim, for this time to have a change of pace. And we pray that as interim comes to a close and we have final papers and exams and stuff, that you would just give us a sense of your peace. We pray especially for those who are studying abroad this interim, we pray for safety for them as they travel back to be with us again for second semester. We thank you for everything that they've learned over this interim, and please help us to be able to share well with them what we've been learning here and to listen well to what they've learned. God, we pray for those in our community who are struggling with illnesses. We pray for your healing hand to be upon them. We pray for those for whom these cold winter months are difficult, for those who struggle with depression, anxiety, or other mental illnesses. God, we pray for those who have lost loved ones recently. We pray that you would bless our community, that you would open our eyes to see the needs around us, that you would help us to care for each other. We thank you for the work of your spirit and the ways that you have been moving on this campus and in our houses, on our floors, in our classrooms. We thank you for the ways that you've been working in this city. And we pray that you would open our eyes to see ways in which you are calling us to serve. And God, now as we prepare to hear your word, I pray that you would send your spirit to open our hearts, that you would plant your truth deep within us. And I pray that you would empower Pastor Dave as he speaks, that the words that come out of his mouth would not just be his words, but that you would speak through him and use him as your instrument. In your name we pray, amen. Madison Square Church, when the scripture is read or recited, we all stand together, and I'll ask you in just a moment to do that. Um, uh, several years ago, our congregation memorized Romans chapter 8, and I repeat it every Sunday morning over an empty sanctuary as I pray over the sanctuary and just prepare my own heart. And so I'm going to recite the end of Romans chapter 8 and it deserves a resounding amen at the end of it. You know, that's, that ends with nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And then we should just say amen really loud. Now it starts with, um, what shall we say in response to these things? Now what's the these things? It's the, 
30 verses prior to that. And um, Pastor Mary's preached on those two sections here already. I listened to her preach via video. I just wanted to catch the flow and so on. She's a good preacher. And you sort of felt obligated after you groaned a little bit that she wasn't preaching tonight, that you should, you know, welcome me. Thank you. <laughs> so what are the these things? Well, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. These things are like, like this. Even though your body is subject to death, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead, death, dead lives in you, your bodies too will be raised. Like this. The suffering that we experience now cannot be compared to the weight of glory of what's coming ahead of us. Like this. The spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches our, know, our hearts knows the mind of the spirit. All of those truths. Okay, now, I want our amen to be really strong. So when I get done, I'm actually going to say one, two, three. <laughs> and then we're just going to wake up all the people that are falling asleep in some of these boring NFL games, okay? <laughs> Stand, please, in honor of hearing the word of God. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who can condemn? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was raised from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, and is interceding for us. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or danger or nakedness or sword? As it is written, we face death all day long. We are like sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death Neither angels nor demons, neither things present nor to come, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in God's creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. One, two, three. Amen. These are massive promises. They are God-wrought blood-bought promises of assurance that nothing can separate you from God's love. Once he's got you, he's got you. And the reason you need to know this is because even though, at least to me, you're quite attractive, you're young, someday you will not be. You'll be old. If cancer gets you, you will be, quite frankly, ugly.
And some of you may have already buried grandparents. Some of you have buried parents. And you'll suffer. Some of you will have children. And they will put you through suffering. Mine did. If I were to tell you, and I would let myself feel, my children are 29, 26, and 24. I, if I would feel deeply some of those sufferings, I would weep. And so I look at you and I think, you've got great things ahead of you. And some of those great things are going to re- be really, really difficult. And I want you tonight to have this massive assurance from God and to hear the word of God and to be able to go through your own sin and, and, and your encounters with Satan and your encounters with suffering with this massive assurance. Not that you escape out of it, that you triumph over it. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now at the close of this service, we're going to have stations here and we're going to make the sign of the cross on your forehead. We're going to seal these promises. And as a matter of fact, not so much in, in my Christian Reformed upbringing, but many churches, when they baptize children or adults, they use water and they also use anointing oil to seal the promises of God that he will protect you In fact, one of the things you can say to Satan is, you can't touch me, I'm baptized. Now, this sealing thing. I've got a wedding ring that seals my wedding vows. It's a physical reminder. It's a sign to others. In a way, I'm off limits to any other woman. I've got one woman all of my life. And and listen to the wedding vows. I said to Melanie, in the name of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I, David, take you, Melanie, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. Now listen to this. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I look down here and I see that in the worst times, she promised to be there for me. When we don't have money, and one of us will bury the other one. This is a seal. So understand that when you, when you feel the touch of one of these servants on your forehead, God's sealing the promises you, you hear tonight. I hear this younger generation doesn't just want to worship with their minds. They want to experience God. And we're going to ask that you experience God and him sealing you with his promises. Now, does Paul know what he's talking about? Is all this this talk about nothing can separate you from the love of God, is that just pious talk? Is that just church talk? Paul knows what he's talking about. For example, he received 39 lashes twice. Why 39? Because they figured 40 will kill you. So he was whipped to within an inch of his life twice. Imagine what his back looked like. And the Romans that he's writing to, they know about suffering. So historians talk about what was going on with Rome while this letter's being written to them. 
the Christians and the Jews, whether they were Christians or not, most of them were kicked out of Rome, their property, Rome, their property seized, and just off you go with a shirt on your back. Homeless, go, moving to a different culture. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is hard-earned truth. And a lot of our songs are based on these verses. The songs we sing to build our faith, by the way, you can sing. And when you come up for anointing, the rest of you that are waiting your turn, we're going to sing some familiar hymns. Sing them out. Sing harmony. Sing to build that faith. Songs like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Why do most of your grandparents, when they die, choose this hymn as one of the hymns they sing at their funeral? Maybe if you've buried a parent, you've sung this hymn. In fact, now when you sing it, those memories roll up into it. And if you know the story of the author, it even deepens it for you because this, too, is hard-won truth. So Horatio Spafford in the 1870s is a successful businessman. He's the one who wrote this hymn in Chicago. Some of you know this story. Chicago fire comes, burns almost all of his holdings, so only he has left is the money in the bank. He was rich, now he's middle class. And he figures God's doing something with him. He's waking him up with his fire. And he and his wife and his three children decide to make a trip to France to retreat and just listen to God. At the last minute, he can't go with them. He sends them ahead. And his wife and three children get on the boat, and they're going across the Atlantic. He hears about a storm and then a collision, and that boat sinks. And then he gets a telegram from his wife with two words. Save alone. His three children drowned in that wreck. Burying children? That's about as hard as it gets. So he takes the next ship and he's crossing the Atlantic and the captain says now it's in about this area where that wreck happened. And he has time to think and he has time to wrestle with God and I wouldn't doubt that he wrote Romans, or that he read Romans 8. And then he starts to write. And the second verse, though Satan should buffet, though trials should gather, let this blessed assurance control. Why does this blessed assurance have to control? Because if it doesn't, it doesn't mean put down, doesn't mean not think about, just control, because otherwise he'll be overwhelmed by his grief. Can you imagine being on that boat, in that water? My three children are there. They, their bodies never found. This is the cold Atlantic. Let this blessed assurance control that God has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. I don't know what he was thinking, but he was thinking about his own sin, he probably was regretting, why didn't I cross with them? And then the third verse, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, thou art pardoned. 
but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not just part of your sin. All of it. Everything is nailed to the cross. And then, what's he thinking? When am I going to meet my children again? So the last verse, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. And he's probably looking up, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. All the way to the end, demons can't separate you. Nothing can separate you. Your own sin can't separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you're one of his children, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And believers like Horatio Spafford built their life on this, and they can get through. The worst thing I can imagine Now I'm going to look at one verse. It's verse 34. Who shall bring any charge against them, those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who can condemn? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, rose, sits at the right hand, and intercedes for you. Four truths about your security, your eternal security. And let me just make a side note here. This eternal security is so that you can live in assurance even though you're going to sin terribly. So that you can have assurance. Die rose, reigns, intercedes so that Satan can't play with you. Died, rose, reigns, intercedes so your suffering will not separate you from that. It's so that when you suffer terribly, you don't question God. You, 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 you don't curse God. You, you say, I don't know what's going on. Now question him in the sense that why is this happening? Yes, glad to ask those questions in faith. Because you don't know why. So let's take the first one. He died. And, and the way the Greek is written and the way the person of Christ is forwarded and the, rate, the way even the clauses are written, the emphasis is not on thoughts and ideas. It's on a person who purposely dies for you. So Christ gave his life on purpose for you. This wedding ring isn't just generally true about a general woman and a general theory about marriage. It's true about Melanie who slipped it on my finger and said, I'm going to be there for better, for worse. Now, Christ actually dies for you. You. It's literally true that on the cross he had you in view. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What's his joy? The bride coming. That's why he died. 
despises his shadow. So he, he died for you, which means that God doesn't do double jeopardy. The punishment for your sins has already been paid. It's not just for God to punish you for his, your sins, or he'll discipline you. He loves you enough to discipline you, but no punishment left. He died. Nothing in your past can Satan stand. And he rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated death. Let me tell you something about death for me. When I was in my 30s, 20 years ago, my mother, whose body I came out of, got cancer. And at the end of her life, she weighed 65 pounds. She could not even hold her head up because there was no strength left. She died of heart. Carried my mother to the command. And I cleaned her body. And I could hardly bear it because I came out of that body. And when I was a little boy, a baby, she carried me and wiped my behind. Now, I'm telling you. Because I believe in a resurrection. Because Jesus died and rose from the dead, my mother has a new body promised to her. She's taught me how to live. She's taught me how to die. She did not die in panic. She died with her eyes starting to brighten because she saw what was ahead of her. Because she believes that nothing shall separate her from the love of God in Christ Jesus, neither life nor death. And he sits at the right hand. That means he reigns. He's got all authority in heaven and earth. You know how badly the Romans need to hear that? And I don't know what political problems are going to face you. Most of you are late teens or early 20s. If you live into your 80s like lots of folks are nowadays and even into your 90s, massive changes could come. Your faith could be persecuted in the future like the Romans were. You need this text for what's ahead of you. And he's interceding for you. Now what exactly does that mean? He sits at the right hand of the Father and to the Father there's a testimony that Christ has paid the price for your sin because the scripture says he still has the scars there. There's a, Jesus became human and always will be human. The incarnation didn't just change everything for us, it changed God forever. He was not incarnate before that time. Our very flesh sits next, next to him as an intercession for us. He's our high priest. All right, now quickly, why are these four things, why are they so massively grounding for you to be able to go through whatever you go through. Let's do sin, Satan, and suffering real quickly here. Sin. And I, I'm going to just 
I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm a graduate of Calvin College, and uh, in my first year here, I sinned a lot. I doubted. I had intellectual doubts. I didn't think I believed the Christian faith anymore. I was hanging on by a thread. In fact, if you had asked me, I would say there was no thread left. I wasn't able to put together what I saw and what I was experiencing and, and what I was even learning with my faith, even though Calvin College was supposed to put faith and learning together. It wasn't working for me. I doubted God severely. It didn't help that I was drinking too much beer a lot. Back in that day, you could legally drink beer at 18, alcohol at 18. It's not true anymore, is it? It's 21. Yeah. Well, you couldn't have it on campus, but I was a regular person at Last Chance Bar. Should have known by the name. Well, if you're living on the wrong side and you're doubting, anyway, I, I carried that with me and I thought I was gone from God. And I came home during Christmas break. And it's a Christian Reformed church, and my dad's the pastor, and he has an altar call. How unusual is that? And I find myself walking to the front, and I hadn't wept in over a year. When you don't feel deeply the dark stuff, you don't feel the highs either. I was just numb, spiritually and emotionally. I started to cry in front of my own church. Why? Because my doubts will not separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you will have seasons of doubt, and some of you are in it right now. And you're here tonight because God is saying to you, no matter how much you doubt, I like doubting Thomases. I will go after you. I am on you. I have your scent. I am never going to let you go. So that's sin. How about Satan? Let me do this quickly. Every time I bring up Satan in my own congregation and I talk about an exorcism, I've done three or four of them as a pastor. I've actually had to have exorcisms because people were possessed by a demon. And almost everybody will have, you will have at least one experience in your life where you will feel the personal presence of evil so strongly and you might even hear voices. I'm not talking about mental illness here. I'm talking about spiritual battle, and all of you will sense it. And this is what you can say to Satan. I'm baptized. I'm sealed. You can't touch me. You dependent, defeated, little scumbag. I go ahead and make fun of him. I know he's demons are listening right now. You know what can't separate you? Neither angels nor demons can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I wrote out what you ought to say to him. I'm, uh, here, this is the way I said it, as if I imagined preaching this tonight. I don't usually preach in notes, but this is worth it. <laughs> Get in Satan's face, students, and state your case with authority. Tell him four things. 
He died for me. He rose for me. He's at the right hand of the Father for me. He intercedes for me. And Christ is all-seeing and all-powerful and all-ruling. Be gone, little created, dependent, defeated, ruled devil. And hear this, little devil. If you kill me, which Almighty God may allow you to do, I win. I got a new body promised to me, and you lose. And people after me will see my life as a testimony. Tell them. By the way, you don't have to shout at the devil. Volume doesn't scare him. Faith does. The Word of God does. And then the last one is suffering. Actually, these kinds of massive truths ought to free you from going to Calvin College for four or five years, spending all your parents' money and your own, so that you can have a middle-class, comfortable lifestyle, and now on top of it, you get all these massive promises, so now you can really be comforted. That's not the point. The point is that you can live God-honoring, risk-taking lives. You can go live in the areas of greatest need. You can go there because God says, so what's the worst thing that can happen to you? And by the way, some of your parents won't want you to go to these places. And they'll say, what if something happens to you? And you can say to them, like I would be killed. Don't put it that way. Yes, that's possible. Actually, it wouldn't hurt for some of us believers who have this Christian education to actually say, I believe this so strongly, I'm going to go to the places of need. You're not here, so you can join the middle class and have comfort, and that's not, if that's what you want, go to some other place. Don't spend that kind of money. Please. could go on but I'm going to stop right now and I want you to be sealed I invite all of you to come forward if you're a believer if you're not a believer you can say that to whoever's anointing you and they'll just pray for you on the spot there that God would take you as his own right now otherwise why would you be here he's calling you so this reminds you of your of your um, baptism and it seals you so so I will I will um, anoint all of the prayer servants now and they've been really looking forward to this and and you get to hear people say to you anoint you with a sign of the cross on your forehead and just say you'll never be separated from Christ's love you are sealed amen and some of you will say amen really quietly and some of you extroverts should say amen without the microphone but I mean it. It builds other people's faith. It builds the faith of the singers who will be leading us in some of these hymns. So, prayer servants, why don't you come up here and uh, worship team, we'd like to anoint you too. They must nothing to separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen.
Cynthia, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Byron, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Jenny, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Artie, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Amen. Mrs. Abe, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are sealed. Amen. Okay, church servants, take your places. Let's all stand together. You come whenever you're ready and to whichever station you would prefer.